growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Obligations. Y'all have obligations? Right? You have, uh, in the home, you have obligations. Uh, If you work outside the home, you have obligations. You have financial obligations. Uh, If you are married, if you have a family, have family obligations and marital obligations. Obligations. We all have them, right? Most of us have obligations regarding our work. We have obligations financially. We have family obligations. So when it comes to spreading the message of Jesus, is that an obligation? Is Jesus worth it? Obligations. As we say here at Cross Culture, to share Christ here, there, and everywhere. Hi, and welcome to Crosswalk. We're in the book of 3 John as we continue our series, Building on the Basics. We've been building on the basic of love, discovering how to walk in it for some time now, making our way through the books of 1 and 2 John. Today, Pastor Clay is going to show us how John takes the two themes he has constantly talked about in his first two letters, truth and love, and challenges the church to take up the obligation of participating in the spread of God's truth and love to the world. The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. As we're going to hear today, not everyone in the church is always willing to fulfill the obligation of sharing Christ. And believe it or not, some even try to stop others from sharing God's truth and love. It's important for those of us who claim to follow Christ to know what our obligations are and how we can fulfill our obligations to make the name of Jesus famous. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Cindy and I have been married 38 years. Thanks. Y'all, y'all act surprised about that. Like you didn't think she could put up with me for that long. 38 years. Yeah, she, she is a, she is a saint. When, you, when you've been married 38 years, and some of y'all have been married a long time. Maybe somebody in here has been married. Anybody been married longer than 38 years in here? Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, several of y'all. So, um, so when you've been married that long, you know, sometimes you think, well, Geez, we've experienced everything. You know, I mean, we, we've, we've, we've done everything. We, you know, there's nothing, nothing new. It's, you know, same old, same old kind of thing. Uh, people feel that way sometimes in their marriages. You know, I know people two or three years into their marriage. I sometimes counsel with couples are like, ah, oh, it's just same old, same old every day. That can happen, right? So, you know, when first come along, that's always a, a, good, a good thing. Can't usually be a good thing. Uh, we had a first uh, yesterday. Um, my, my wife, my wife passed out yesterday, and that was the first time that it ever happened. Uh, I mean, uh, first time I'd ever, wait, first time I'd ever been there. Which I think it happened one other time when she was pregnant with JC with our first uh, child. But um, here's, here's kind of the funny, here's kind of the, here's kind of the funny side of this, is that I passed out two weeks ago, um, uh, getting up out of bed, I had a cramp, and I jumped up out of bed, and I had that blood rush, and then Cindy says, she's like, here's this, boom. And she comes in there, and I'm just passed out over my bathroom sink, and I hit my head. My head was bleeding, and uh, for about a week, I'm glad the scab fell off quite honestly for last Sunday, because it kind of looked like I'd taken the mark of the beast, to be honest with you. So, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so, but, so it was kind of funny, because this, uh, so I passed out. And, uh, and so yesterday, we were up at the, uh, the church's storage units, and we were moving some stuff 
uh, from one unit to another. We got a new unit, and we were moving some stuff, and it was really hot in those units, and it was real humid yesterday. We were pushing these big cases with the uh, portable stage pieces, and, and so, you know, Cindy kept saying, I just feel tired. I feel weak. I feel, and she, Cindy's a, a worker, and she gets after it and stuff, but at this point, she, at some point, we got over the next door, she rolled the, the case over. She says, I think I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. Yeah, by the way, that is such, that, that shows so much the difference between men and women. Women are such planners, right? They just, she's just, men, you know, I just fell out, right? But women, they're planning. They're like, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. And, I, and I'm, okay, yeah, right. You're not going to pass out. But so finally I said, well, listen, I'll, I'll hold you. You'll be all right just a minute. So I'm, I'm like holding her. And she said it like three or four or five times. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to pass out. And then it's like, you know, I'm just holding her. It's like 15 seconds. And boom, she just, she just, her glasses fly off. And I just wasn't expecting, I guess. And she just falls out. And uh, so I didn't let her head hit the concrete. You know, I laid her back real gently onto the concrete. And it wasn't long. I mean, she wasn't out long. Don't worry. But uh, she just kind of woke up and said, did I pass out? And I'm like, well, you planned it. You, it's, it's, you said you were. So uh, I, I just... Well, I, it, it is long why it happened. But anyway, um, but so that was a first. You know, that was, that was, something, that was something new. You don't, <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. And I just soon it not happen again. And I was thinking about things that aren't new. And, and you know what? One of the things that are not new for all of us, whether you're married or not married, you know one of the things not new? Obligations. Obligations. Y'all have obligations? Right? You have uh in the home, you have obligations. Uh, if you work outside the home, you have obligations. You have financial obligations. Uh, if you are married, if you have a, a family, you have family obligations and marital obligations. We, we have obligations, right? That's part of it. I want to talk to you this morning about an obligation that all of us who profess Christ have. And where we are in that obligation and where we're going in that obligation. An obligation to be a part of spreading the message of Christ to the nations. As we say here at Cross Culture, to share Christ here, there, and everywhere. If you brought a copy of God's Word, of course the text will be on the screen as well, but if you brought a copy of God's Word, uh, turn to 3 John. Turn to 3 John. 3 John. 3 John. Y'all know what that means, right? This is the last of John's letters. Third John. We're probably going to get through it today. Third John. Three John. However you want to say it. John's third letter. Let's talk a little bit this morning. Based on what John has to say here about our obligation. Well, we'll get to that. Third John. Beginning in verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. He says that a lot, doesn't he? Love and truth, he connects those two. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. That is, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers. And they have testified to your love before the church, 
And you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. And for this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. And not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren, does not receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is, say it, good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly and we'll speak, we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. Obligation. Let's talk about an obligation. And I'll just go ahead and tell you this right up front. You're going to see it. But uh, I intentionally did this as kind of a tongue twister because I like to fool around with words from time to time. But also because I've, hopefully it becomes a little more memorable to you as a result. But here's, here's the, the central idea from Third John uh, that I want to uh, get to this morning. The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. Did I get it all right? Did I? <laughs> I was at, Tyler says, you know you're going to mess that up today. <laughs> I, I'm sure I will because I'm probably going to say it several times. As a matter of fact, could I get you, if, if you don't mind, could I possibly get you just to, to say this statement out loud with me this morning? The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. John uh, is writing this, this last letter. And I, don't, I have no idea, how, I really don't know how you feel or have felt about this, but I have thoroughly enjoyed being able, as, as a pastor and a preparer of messages, if I've thoroughly enjoyed being able to walk through First, Second, and Third John in consecutive order because uh, not only has it helped me again to see this passion, this drive, uh, this, this uh intent that John has for the body of Christ to be whole, to be, to be healthy, to be uh, active in the work of the, of the kingdom. You, you see that throughout 1 John, throughout 2 John, throughout uh, 3 John. You see this, this love that he has, uh, including in this third letter. And as I said a moment ago, his most personal letter of all. Uh, second John was certainly more uh, personal than First John, but Third John is even more personal as he writes to his personal friend uh, Gaius. And, and, and it, what comes clear in the letter, again, is this, this connection that he makes, uh, this priority of the truth, specifically or particularly the truth that Jesus Christ was, is, and forever will be God. That's, remember, he's, he's walked through that and he's established that on multiple occasions. So he comes, even, even in closing, even in the, or in this third letter, it's a separate letter, but even in it, there's still this idea of truth and the importance of this truth and walking in this truth 
And this love, this God kind of love, this agape love as we have defined it uh, for weeks as we walk through uh, 1 John. The connection between those two and the absolute necessity for followers of Christ to walk in that truth and walk in that love. 3 John really is the, the culmination, it's the, it's the crescendo of, of John's thoughts uh, it really is, as the third, third letter, it winds up this, this thought. And as he's driving home again, uh, knowing truth, knowing what God kind of love is, uh, then walking in that kind of love, uh, walking in that kind of truth. So then John moves in this area where the natural progression, you listening to me this morning? The natural progression then moves toward the idea of sharing that truth, sharing that love with others. All others, every others, everywhere. The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. The question is, are we going to meet that obligation? Okay, just to kind of clarify here, make sure we're on the same page. Let's kind of, let's kind of break it down. Let's kind of break those uh, terms down so that we all understand that uh, they're, they're words that sound the same and... And uh, kind of big words, but let's just break it down, all right? Let's start with congregation. Congregation, a group of people assembled for religious worship. A gathering or collection of peoples, animals, or things. Pretty sure most of y'all qualify as people, so, uh, but that's what it is. It's a gathering or collection of people, animals, things. A group of people is, uh, assembled for, according to Oxford Dictionary, for religious worship. We are, cross-culture church is a congregation. We are a, it's an old term, but that's what we are, a congregation. We're a, we're a gathered group of people uh, gathered for a common uh, purpose, a belief in a common God, a worship of a common God, and a service to a common God. We are a congregation. Would you agree? Okay. Second, obligation. According to Google, it is an act or course of action to which a person, watch this, is morally or legally bound, a duty or commitment, a debt of gratitude for a service or favor. Would anyone in here argue with me that we are uh, under obligation for every single one of those reasons right there? It is an obligation, a, a, a debt of gratitude. It, we are morally bound. Do you think of it that way? To be morally bound? If, I, if, I, if I've if someone has shared with me the message of eternal life and forgiveness and, and redemption and, and all those things I can have, uh, what, isn't it a moral issue if, I, if I'm unwilling to, to share that with somebody else? What am I saying about my, this idea of God kind of love? Obligation. Third, participation. The act of joining with others in doing something. The state of being related to a larger whole. I like especially that last part of it because that's what we are. We're in the state of being related to a larger whole. You and I are individuals. We have our individual likes, our individual personalities, our individual dislikes, our individual preferences. But we are part of this larger whole, are we not? In the biggest sense, the, the church universal, all believers everywhere who are genuinely in relationship with Jesus Christ, we're part of the universal church in that sense. But the New Testament, the over, overwhelming number of times it speaks of the church does so at the local level, the local body, the local congregation that is gathered together and is participating uh, in relating to this larger whole. It's about more than just 
me. I'll more say about that in a minute. Then dissemination from the Latin word disseminare, scattering seeds. I put that in because I just thought it's kind of cool since Jesus uses a parable of scattering seeds as, as an illustration for the spread of the gospel. Do you all remember that story? It, it comes from the Latin word that literally means scattering seeds. The act of spreading something, especially information, widely circulating or circulation. That's to, to disseminate information. Propagation is obviously connected to that, but I would slightly uh, make it slightly different in that it is the act or action of propagating as increase, as of a kind of organism in numbers. We are a spiritual organism, are we not? We are the body of Christ. That analogy is used in Scripture. Uh, we, we are this body, this organism that, that should be spreading, that should be growing. The spreading of something as a belief abroad or into new regions and then uh, see enlargement or extension. It is the enlargement, the extension of the kingdom of God. Is it not? That, that's the propagation to I disseminate the information, but the end goal is propagation to see the kingdom of God expand into all the world. I need to get you all together so you all get kind of fired up and excited about that would, that would help me a lot. The congregation, can you all got it memorized? Can you all say it? The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. The question becomes, am I going to take up that, uh, that responsibility? Am I going to take a hold of that obligation that I have? If I'm part of the body of Christ, if I've been redeemed, am I going to participate? Am I going to take the obligation that is there before me? Okay? All right. Now, it's interesting how John kind of, kind of builds this case uh, for this. He does it really by giving us a contrast between two uh, individuals. One is clearly on the right path. One clearly is not. One uh, is godly. One clearly is not. One uh, knows God and is serving God. One clearly is not. And it doesn't, it's, it's not hard to distinguish which is which. Gaius and Diotrephes are these two individuals that John uh, makes a, a comparison to. Really, it's a contrast. The stark contrast between Gaius and his life and Diotrephes and his life. Listen to me. This is kind of scary part. Both of them are in the church. Both of them are active in the church. As a matter of fact, as, as we'll see here, even as we just read, you get the impression that Diotrephes is in a place of leadership in the church. As Gaius almost certainly is as well. By the way, uh, you may have noticed that a third uh, uh, gentleman is named uh, Demetrius right there at the end of the letter. Uh, he uh, apparently is the one who delivered this letter from John to Gaius. And John is, is endorsing or commending Demetrius uh, to Gaius. He's basically saying, hey, uh, he thinks like we do. You can trust this guy. You can, you can trust Demetrius. There's also a fourth group of men that are not mentioned by name, but they are mentioned, and we will get to them shortly. So I wa what I want to do is look at basically three uh, areas of their life that, that help make them who they were uh, or cause them to be who they were and how that impacted this uh, obligation uh, of, of propagation, dissemination, you know, all the gospel, all that kind of stuff. So uh, let's, let's get to the contrast. We're going to start uh, with Gaius. Here, here we go. Gaius had spiritual strength. If you'd like to fill in blanks, there is an outline on the back of your program. You can feel free to use it if you'd like to. Gaius had 
spiritual strength, right? So Gaius had spiritual strength. He did. Watch it. Look at, let's look at verse, part of, uh, or, uh, verse 2. Beloved. John refers to him in an affectionate name. He, he cares about Gaius. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Just as your soul prospers. Now, this may, this introduction may just have been a, a, a just an introductory greeting. It, it may have, we do the same thing. We, if we write or, or, you know, we might say something, well, I, I hope you're doing well, or I certainly pray that your health is good, or, you know, that, that sort of thing. It may have just been just that, simply that, that he's just saying, well, I, I hope you're, it may be that Gaius is actually uh, not in good health. That Gaius has some physical illness or ailment or physical restriction or something like that. It could be that John has heard that he's, and he's writing. He's saying, man, I, man I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm praying that, that, you're, that you do well uh, physically. It, it could be that, that Gaius actually is not in good physical health. By the way, if that is what John intends by this, it kind of puts a crimp in the whole health, wealth, and prosperity uh, gospel people. Because one of the primary teachings of the health, wealth, and prosperity movement is that if things are right between you and God, you're not going to be sick and you're not going to be poor. That's basically what it, what it comes uh, down to. What we definitely, definitively can say that John means is that Gaius is doing very well spiritually. So I, I pray that, you, that you're physically, that you do absolutely as well as you are doing spiritually. Gaius is... Uh, Spiritually speaking, Gaius is strong as a horse, or healthy as a horse, strong as an ox. Gaius is, uh, is doing fantastic. He's healthy. He's doing well. Spiritual health. It is, it is essential if we're going to be who we're going to be in Christ. Spiritual health is critical. Now contrast that with Diotrephes. Diotrephes had spiritual weakness. And... We know that Diotrephes has spiritual weakness because John makes it clear that Diotrephes is operating purely in the flesh. Purely operating in the flesh. Look what the text says in verse 9. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. John had apparently written something to the church Probably the same thing along the same lines he's saying to Gaius about uh, this participation in the gospel and that sort of thing. And he says, I wrote it to the church, but, but Diotrephes uh, wouldn't even let it be, apparently let it be heard among the church. Diotrephes, who loves to be first, a.k.a. pride. Listen to me. This is Diotrephes' number one problem. Wait for it. This is mine and yours number one problem. Pride. Ego. Self. I want what I want. I want it to go the way I want it to go. I want to do what I want to do. I want to make the choices. I want to be noticed. I want... Diotrephes has an eye problem, ladies and gentlemen. I want. I think. I, I would rather see. I, I this. I'm, I'm... You understand? And it is a problem for Diotrephes. It is a problem for us in our lives because we all can struggle with this at times. And it is the number one problem, by the way, in the church overall. This I problem. This, this idea that... That, that, I, that I have to get this, or I have to win this, or I have to be right at this, or I have to... It's, it's the pull towards this idea of making me what it's about, and it is the polar opposite 
of what Scripture tells us we should be. I know it may sound like a a paradox, but to follow Christ requires that I that I follow a very simple rule. You know, I, I don't know what everybody thinks about uh, Rick Warren, pastor's church out in California, very large uh, church, uh, his book, Purpose Driven Life. I don't know what, there's different ideas on that, but I tell you this, Rick Warren got it absolutely right on the opening page of his book when he simply wrote, and if you've read the book, you probably remember it. He said, it's not about me. That's the number one principle that each one of us has to learn if we're going to actually follow Christ. Look at what uh, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 16. If you try to hang on to your life, what will happen? Say it. What will happen? You'll lose it. If you make it, it's about you, it's about me. I, I got the, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. You'll find it. That's where it is. It's the same idea, the theme verse for Cross Culture Church, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, no problem. Here's all you have to do. He must deny himself, take up his cross daily. And we all know what a cross, right? It's an instrument of death. Take up his cross daily and follow me. This is the key, ladies and gentlemen. Diotrephes is operating purely in the flesh. He is spiritually weak. And any of us can become spiritually weak when we are not spiritually strong. Why? Because you don't have to do anything. Do you? Um, maybe y'all are better than I am or stronger or whatever. But I don't, ha- I don't have to do anything to operate in the flesh. Y'all notice that? I mean, I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to work it up and say, man, I, oh, I wish I could be more selfish. <laughs> That, all of that comes natural, doesn't it? The flesh, the pull of the flesh, the, no, you deserve this, or you, 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 you know she was wrong, tell her off. Uh, you know, that, that kind of stuff, right? But man, I got to do something to operate in the spirit. To be spiritually strong requires something else of me. We have to come to this place, as, as uh, John the Baptist said, John chapter 3, he said, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's that idea. And it applies to virtually every area of life. But this is the key to spiritual health. It's certainly at the, at the crux. This is where I have to start with this understanding that it's not about me, that he must increase, I must decrease. This, again, this may sound like a paradox, but I got a little statement for you here, and it's simply this. Spiritual health requires death to self. I mean, it really, and I don't mean you necessarily physically have to. I'm just saying that you have to, this idea that Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. This is it, folks. And listen, this is, and I'll, I may have meant to say this later, but it's all right. This is the number one issue, uh, struggle in, in, in marriages, in workplace conflict, uh, in many church splits that take place. It's this idea that uh, somebody's operating in the spirit or, uh, or somebody's operating in the flesh. And, and the direction that that life goes will be obviously affected by how or what they're doing. Okay, here's the second uh, comparison between them. Um, uh, Gaius had a testimony of good. He really did. Look what, uh, again, what John says in verse 3 and 4 and first part of verse 6. For I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth. People were coming to John and they were, were, and they were telling John, this Gaius, Gaius is unbelievable, man. He's blowing it out of the water. They were coming and telling John about all the good that he was doing. They bore witness to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. Boy, have we talked about that. 
ad nauseum probably. I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. And they, meaning those people that had come to John, that had visited John in the city where he was, and they bear witness to your love before the church, before the body there, everywhere they were going probably, where they, where they uh, had contact with believers, with the church, they were saying, man, there's this guy named Gaius. He is unbelievable what he is doing for the kingdom of God. He's got a good testimony. On the other hand, Diotrephes had a testimony of bad. Bad, bad Diotrephes, bad. He had a bad... Look, look, again, look what John says, I think, verse 10 and 11. For this reason, if I come, I'm going to call attention to his deeds, which he does. John says, I'm, I'm going to call him out. Uh, unjustly accusing us with wicked words. John, uh, the leadership. And not satisfied with this, neither does he himself receive the brethren. And he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. By the way... When, he, when we talk about, whether you're talking about church discipline or somebody even doing something like this, when, when we're talking about somebody put, being put out of the church, understand, there, there, weren't, there weren't 67 churches on every other corner back then that somebody said, well, I don't care, let's go to another church. You don't like what I'm doing? The fact that I'm living in sin or whatever, just go somewhere else, right? I mean, that, that happens. That, that's not the case there. I mean, there's just, there's just the church in Ephesus or Galatia or, or Corinth or wherever it was. So they put them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Whoa. Whoa. Right? Because John has just said, when I get there, if I get to come, I'm 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 going to confront this. I'm going to call this out. I'm going to to point out what this guy is doing because he's, he's accusing us of, of wickedness and he's, he's not accepting our, our, our leadership and what we're saying. And not only that, but he's, he's, re- he's refusing to minister uh, to those who are coming in and, and wanting to share the message of Christ and take it abroad. He wouldn't participate in it. And not only that, he's stopping the people that are trying to participate in it and he's, he's trying to kick them out of the church. And then John says, listen, everybody, don't imitate what is evil. And, and listen, our, our flesh... Wants to pull us in a direction where it's more about me, right? Don't imitate what is evil, John says, but imitate what is good. Do like Gaius is doing. There's your example. He had a testimony of good. Diotrephes had a testimony of bad. I I wanted to read you. I got an email uh, this week from um, uh, Matthew Price, who is an assistant principal here at Leaf Road High School. He said, Pastor Clay, please let me extend thanks to your group for all of your work to help make Pride Launch a success this year. Your tireless work throughout our school is a great ministry to our community. I think that this year was the best Pride Launch we have have had despite the record numbers in attendance. And we have you to thank for a large part of that. Again, my humblest thanks for your continued efforts and ministries in our school and community. That's that's, that's, what, that's what it ought to be, isn't it? Don't you think that, that, your, that your, uh, your testimony is one that is good and not a testimony that is bad? Let me tell you what would be bad. Is if instead of that email, I got emails like, y'all left the place in an absolute mess this week. Everybody's, the teachers are so tired of this. Uh, you, you, you leave stuff everywhere. You, you break things. We had this, bro. We've always tried to live by a principle here. We started at the middle school, at the high school, no matter where we were, uh, that we want to leave a place in better condition than it was when we walked in there that morning. 
not for us, not so we blow our horn, but for the glory of God. Even in something so simple as picking up some trash as I'm going out the door today, I'm just saying. Taking your ink pen with you, your connect card. <laughs> Testimony good. I've told this story before. Some of you have never heard it, though. Uh, I was uh, at a, another church one time, and I met an individual and uh, introduced myself to him. And I don't remember where we met, but I, I was, uh, began to share with him about God's work and what God had done in my life and how I was pastoring a church. And I, I'd love to invite him to, to come over uh, to the church. We'd love to have him. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you pastor such and such church, don't you? And I said, yes, sir, I, I do. That's right. He says, yeah, I know, I know one of your church members. So-and-so is a deacon at your church. And I'm like, all right, great. You know somebody already, there's a connection. And he said, I will never attend your church because I work with your deacon. And, and I'm not just picking on deacon. I mean, that's what he said. He says, I work with your deacon. I know how he acts when he's not in the church house. It's every moment thinking that way in our lives. Workplace, grocery store, uh, caught in traffic, somebody, what stuff. A- am I a good testimony or a bad testimony? Dr. Fee's had a testimony of bad. Guy has had a testimony of good. Thinking that way. And then uh, third uh, this morning. Gaius had a mindset for the kingdom. Here we go. Here's where we're getting to this idea. Gaius had a mindset for the kingdom. Again, uh, picking it up in verse 5. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers and they bear witness to your love before the church. And you will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Why? For they went out for the sake of the name. Don't you love that? For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Watch this. Therefore, we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers with the truth. If you, by the way, if you have a woman that goes out on mission, doesn't mean you don't support her. It's just in, in that day, especially in that day, it could be a very dangerous time. It's very arduous journeys, and it was men that were answering that call and that were going. But it is a kingdom mindset. Gaius, here's Gaius. Uh, he is at one. He's at one church. Maybe he was physically ill. Maybe he had physical limitations. But listen to me. He didn't let that stop him from completing his obligation. To take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He didn't let that, whether he was physically ill, whether it's just the fact he was at one place at one time. He was, he was investing. He was giving. He was sending. He was housing. He was uh, feeding. He was doing all the things necessary. Because missionaries were scattering out. They were going out everywhere. People were answering the call to go for the sake of the name. And they were going and they would come into cities. And if there was a church established in that city, the, it, it, the church would come alongside of them and say, Come on, we'll house you. We'll provide for you. We'll feed you and we'll give you money to go on your way. Why? Because that's what the church is supposed to do. For the sake of the name, we're going to do this. That's Gaius. That's, that's his life. That's what he's doing. He's investing in the kingdom. No matter. By the way, if, if he happens to be, and, the, and Gaius was a very common name uh, in, in that day, but if he happens to be the same Gaius mentioned in Acts chapter 19 and 20, then he has gone out even himself at times. He's been part of missionary journeys. But at this station in his life, this is where he is. Maybe it's physical restrictions that were keeping him there or whatever the reason. But it wasn't keeping him from fulfilling his obligation to the propagation, the dissemination, the carrying of the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's a kingdom 
mindset. Do you, do I have a kingdom mindset? Now, let's contrast that with Diotrephes. Diotrephes had a mindset for, say it, self. We've already, we've already seen it through there. We read it earlier, but just, just to clarify, just to see it again. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Maybe, maybe Diotrephes was threatened by all these missionaries coming in. Maybe he felt like his place of authority was going to be threatened. Maybe, uh, maybe he thought that, that the money that was being given should be given, that they should use it themselves to improve their place of meeting or what. I, I don't know. Maybe he, just, maybe he just didn't like giving his money. He'd rather spend it on himself and do what he wanted to do. But it is a focus on self. And I'll say it again. Boy, all of us can struggle in that area. It's a kingdom mindset or it's a self mindset. Where are you and I in that process? Is Jesus worth it? And to say that, what does it mean? What am I willing to do? How much am I willing to sacrifice? What would it cost for me? What am I willing to pay to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth? Gaius had a kingdom mindset. Diotrephes did not. Maybe all of us at times could ask ourselves or could look at ourselves and say, man, I, sometimes I look a little more like Diotrephes than I do about Gaius. But the question is, are we going to walk in this truth and in this love? That's where John has brought it all back to, walking in this truth and love, so much so. And can we really say that we're walking in this truth and walking in this love if we're unwilling to walk out our front door and share this message with people here, there, and everywhere? Is Jesus worth it. I want to challenge you this morning to think about that question in light of your own life and where you are in service to the kingdom here locally, in your, in your giving, your, your participation in the, in the financial resources of the gospel of the kingdom and in, in light of God's commandments in that area, in willingness to say, wow, it makes my palm sweat just, just to think about the idea of sharing my faith with somebody, much less to get on a plane and go to the other side of the world. Is Jesus worth it? That's the question. So we close with the idea that we've said all along. The congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. It's on us. By the way, I didn't mention this, but just just to close this out. I don't know if you noticed there at the end of verse 7 that John said, he particularly points out that they did not ask anything of the Gentiles. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? He's saying, we, we went out and we shared this message. We didn't, we didn't ask them to fund us. We didn't take up a love offering uh, among the unbelievers. We, we, we didn't sell barbecue plates or w- wash cars. I'm sorry, I know that's how a lot of churches do it. But that's, he said, it's not, it's not what he did. You, you know what he's saying? It's our obligation. It's the body's obligation to send the gospel to the ends of the earth. Is Jesus worth it? As Pastor Clay walked us through John's letter today, it's easy to see the contrast between Gaius and Diotrephes. One was spiritually strong and spiritually healthy, and one was not. One had a good testimony, and one did not. 
It's also not hard to see that God would have us follow the example of Gaius, not for our good, but for the good of the body of Christ and those around us that need Christ. There were those who, as John puts it, for the sake of the name, had given up everything to go everywhere so that everyone could have a chance to hear about and come to know Jesus Christ. We can all go to our neighbors, family, friends, and co-workers and share Christ, and that's exactly what we should do. We have an obligation to do so. But some answer the call to go to the far reaches of the world, and those in the local churches have the responsibility to help them carry that message by financially making it possible for them to go. As Pastor Clay put it, the congregation has an obligation of participation in the dissemination and propagation of the gospel. It's exciting to think that God would allow us to have a part in sharing the greatest news ever to the world around us. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.